watched uh, It's a Wonderful Life? How many of you watched it this week sometime? Any of you kind of done that yet? Not yet? Uh, so uh, we're in a, a teaching series uh, that we're kind of ju- leaping off from the, the classic movie, it's, it's a Wonderful Life. Before I get too far into that, uh, if this is your first time here today, welcome. We are really glad that you're here. My name is Craig, uh, and I am the, the lead preaching pastor uh, here. And I, I would love to have the opportunity to meet you afterwards. I, I'll be in the, uh, in the lobby out there. Just come by and, and uh, say hello. And we're just, we're just really glad that you're here. Amen? Well, um, we're in Advent, and so we, the first Sunday we talked about peace, and Pastor Ashley did that. And last Sunday we talked about hope, and the idea that hope is something you do, not something you have. It's, it's putting our trust in God. That's what, that's what hope is, we get, especially when we get to the original language. That's, that's really uh, clear uh, in all of that. And so um, this Sunday we are going to talk uh, about joy. We have the pink candle, uh, which in the ancient world when they started out, that's, that was real celebration to have a pink candle. You know, people got excited about that. <laughs> Evidently you're not from the ancient world because you don't seem all that thrilled. But, but it is kind of cool. It's, it's, it's a nice reminder. Uh, and so I kind of want to introduce this subject uh, with, with the, uh, the movie. Um, and, and so let me kind of give you a run up to that. You guys know the story of It's a Wonderful Life with, with George Bailey. And, and he didn't really get to do what he wanted to do in life. He wanted to travel. He wanted to go to college, all those sorts of things. But he kept doing what he was supposed to do, what the right thing was to do. He took over the business. He continued the, the uh, building and loan thing that was just kind of this barely getting along sort of business. And, and uh really impacted the community in all kinds of ways. And then last week we talked about it when he kind of lost hope, when it didn't work out like he thought it would work out. On Christmas Eve, the bank examiner showed up to audit the books. And his uh, lovable but not too bright uncle uh, lost an $8,000 deposit. And you saw last week how, how bad that was, you know. Somebody's going to go to jail. And finally, kind of at the end of it, the lost hope. He wished he, he, wished he had never been born, you know. It could, when, when you lose hope, you lose the, the desire to continue to, to live. And so this week now we're going to pick up. He, he's gone through this, uh, this thing where uh, the angel grants kind of his wish. He's going to get to see what the world is like if he hadn't been born uh, and all the things that God had done through him. So, of course, Bedford Falls completely changes. It's just awful, you know, and, and he gets into fights with people and he punches a cop, <laughs> and, which isn't generally a good thing. Um, and he, he, he kind of gets to the end of all of that and, and it kind of concludes with, with this woman that he had married. The, the really good thing in his life, even though he didn't get to do what he wanted to do, was marry his, his wife who, and his kids and all of that. And d- just before the scene we're going to see, he, he runs into Mary. She doesn't want anything to do with him because she doesn't know who he is. Nobody know who's, knows who he is because he wasn't born. You know, and she, he scares her and she runs away. And, and, and at that point, he, he kind of reaches the bottom. And like a lot of people, when he reached the bottom, he finally turned to God. Uh, it starts out, you'll see in the prayer, kind of talking to the angel and then, then, uh, then to God. And so I just want to uh, show you this because uh, I think this is a pretty good example of what we want to talk about today. Clarence! Clarence! Help me, Clarence! Get me back! Get me back, I don't care what happens to me. Get me back to my wife and kids. Help me, Clarence, please. Please. I want to live again. I want to live again. I want to live again. Please, God, let me live again. 
George! George! You all right? Hey, what's the matter? Now get out of here, Bert, or I'll hit you again. Get out of here. What the Sam Hill are you yelling for, George? You... George. Bert, do you know me? Know you? <laughs> you kidding? I've been looking all over town trying to find you. I saw your car piled into that tree down there, and I thought maybe you... Hey, your mouth's bleeding. Are you sure you're all right? What you... <laughs> My mouth's bleeding, Bert! My mouth's bleeding! Zuzu's pedals! Zuzu... There they are! Bert! What do you know about that? Merry Christmas! Well, Merry Christmas! somebody who's experiencing real joy, you know? <laughs> that, that, that's joy. And actually, it's, it's a pretty good example of, of what we think about when we think about from a Christian perspective uh, of what, what joy is all about. Um, it, you'll notice in, in this that, that his circumstances hadn't changed. Only his perspective had changed. In fact, I love that line uh, when he said, Isn't it wonderful? I'm going to jail! How many of you have ever said that in your life? Anybody ever? I'm not going to ask whether you've been to jail or not, but that's a whole other question. But, but it's this idea that, that what changed was his perspective. He realized how God had been working in his life all this time when he was disappointed and frustrated and things weren't working out and, and all of that. He had had the wrong perspective. He had been focused on kind of the bad things and the things that were going wrong, and he didn't realize how God was using him and how God was at work in his life. And when he finally realized that, he had joy, you know? He was raising his hand. He looked like a charismatic, for goodness sakes, you know, with his arms up and, and, and just excited about what God was doing. And so here's one of the things I know for sure uh, about joy, uh, and that is this. Joy is bigger than our circumstances. It, 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 some circumstances are, are hard. He, he was in the same ones he had before when he wanted to kill himself or wished he hadn't been born. You know, uh, he, he had this idea. He said, I don't care what happens to me. Uh, but at the end, he's saying, get me back to my wife and kids. That, that's just a classic love line because love sacrifices for the ones it loves. Amen? That's the biblical understanding of love. And it's exactly what he said. I don't care what happens to me. Get me back to my wife uh, and kids. And we're going to talk about love next week, so you want to come back for that. He had moved past selfishness. He had moved past his own desire to have things go the way he thought they should go and the way he wanted them to go. 
He had moved past his own desire for career success and for all of those sorts of things that are normal. He had moved past selfishness and into selflessness. And when he got to selflessness, he discovered joy. You notice at the end he said, please God, I want to live again. That's practically biblical in all of that. And so here's some more stuff I know about this. Um, Joy, next slide. Uh, Joy is the outward expression of the deeper work of putting one's trust in God. Joy is the outward expression, it's what we see and feel and do, of the deeper work of putting one's trust in, in God. Joy is a symptom, it's not a cause. Just like peace is a symptom. The cause, the underlying idea, is when you put your hope in God, then you experience peace. When you put your hope in God, then you experience joy. It's a byproduct of this deeper spiritual thing that God wants to do in our lives. We have joy because we've placed our hope in God. Does that make sense? It's a secondary uh, part of of all of that. And I just know with all of my heart, the truth is that that we need, our world uh, needs more joy. Next slide. Our world needs more joy. I don't know if you've noticed... Wait a minute, let me back up. Our world needs more joy. Okay, did we mention that this Sunday is about joy? Okay, so let me try that again. Our world needs more joy. I think we can all agree to that. I mean, we live in a dark, depressing, painful kind of world. I mean, if you don't believe that, just tune into the whole hearings that are going on in Washington, okay? I don't care which side of the debate you're on, that's depressing, Right smack dab in the middle of Advent. Right smack dab in the middle of, of the third Sunday of joy. There's all these things going on and it's, it's just, it's hard. And, and, and not only that, but all the other things that are going on in our world. Our world desperately needs more joy. And unfortunately, we live in a world where joy is often regarded as, well, almost silly, right? You know, you, you met that person that's like overly happy all the time, you know? That says, good morning, before you've even had a cup of coffee. Who does that, you know? And, and so people kind of regard it as lightweight. And, and, and if that's all there is, then, then that's probably true. But I, I just kind of want to give you a, a piece of advice for some of you that are like overly serious all the time. And this is kind of the thing that was important at one point in my life. And that's take yourself less seriously and God more seriously. Take yourself less seriously, because you're not as important as you think you are. I hate to break that to you, but you're not. And number two, you're not really running your life. I know you think you are, but you're not really running your life. God is running your life, amen? Okay, and and so God has got this. I guarantee you God has got this. And so take yourself less seriously. Laugh at yourself more. Everybody else is, so just laugh at yourself more, okay? I'm just telling you, it's the way it is. Relax, you know. It's it's, it's important to to laugh at ourselves. It's important to have a sense of humor about ourselves. And then to take God seriously. Because there's something about taking ourselves less seriously that kind of opens the door to taking God more seriously. Because when you discover you're not running the show... You're pretty excited that God is, <laughs> you know. There's a, there's a joy in, in all of that. Take yourself less seriously. Take, take God more seriously. What, whatever your circumstances are in life, laugh more. Express joy more. Smile more. Some of you need to update your face, okay. 
because it's not catching on to this sermon quite yet, okay? And, and so I, I just want to tell you at this point, you, you guys need to get happy. This is a sermon on joy, right? Because I'm going to torture you until you do. It's a nice philosophy. Torture them till they smile. That's, that's the deal here, okay? And so here's kind of what I know about how uh, joy comes to us, uh, and that is, next slide, um, there we go. Uh, we don't get joy by seeking it directly. It comes when God moves into an otherwise hopeless situation. This is where I kind of want to get just a little bit serious. Because I know this is a time of year that's very hard for people. I know there's a lot of grieving going on. I miss my dad and my mom more at Christmas time than any other time. Because we always got together. And, and I know for a lot of you, there's, there's hard things. And, and, and so joy is something that you hear a sermon on joy and a lecture, you, you better have joy. That would, that would not be helpful because that's not the way we find joy. We don't get joy by seeking it directly. It comes when God moves into an otherwise hopeless situation. And so I, I want to say to you this morning, if you've come and you feel hopeless or you feel like there's not very much hope, or it, it, would you let God come in? Don't, don't hear from me, you better have joy. Joy is not something you can work yourself up to, you know. Read, it, read a, a, a self-help book. You ever gone into a bookstore and seen the self-help section? It's like gigantic. It's because people don't have joy. They, 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 they seek it directly, and it's not a direct thing. It's a, it's a byproduct of this deeper work in our, in our lives. And so I, I just want to say... Let God move into your hopeless situation. We talked so much about that last week. And if you're hopeless, man, you need to go back and watch uh, last week's uh, sermon in all of that. And so um, I, I've experienced this a lot lately in my life. And it seems like every sermon there's a cancer illustration. But, but we're in the time of season with that. And, and so I, I want to tell you, I, I, I remember... I remember sitting in the doctor's office when they gave us the diagnosis. And they said, it's bad. It's really, really bad bad and they were about a half inch from saying you need to put your life in order and they did say to me they say we're going to treat you for for cure but their hearts weren't in it right and so I, I can't read medical stuff but I'm really good at reading people and when they said we're going to treat you for a cure I knew they were like yeah we hope and then I remember this week when I was sat in the doctor's office and they gave me the results of the biopsy after the surgery and they said the tumor is dead <laughs> Not, yeah. Thanks be to God. Not only that, but it's turning into scar tissue, which I guess is even a step beyond all of that. And I saw my wife when I came home and told her, my Nazarene wife that grew up with you don't dance. I saw my Nazarene for maybe the second or third time dance. I didn't know she could do that. Joy, excitement, because God moved into an otherwise hopeless situation. The truth of the matter is, without God, none of that would be possible. There's a great story uh, in, in Luke. Um, let's, uh, uh, yeah, Luke 2, 8 through 14. Then I, I want to read to you. If you have your Bibles, it's, it's a part of the, the birth narrative. Uh, and then I want to come back and focus on a particular verse. But I want you to hear this. Turn on your imaginations a little bit. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. So shepherds live out in fields. Shepherds are the bottom of society. It doesn't get any lower than that. Keeping watch over their flock at night. So they put all the sheep uh, to bed and they're sitting around the fire thinking about going to bed themselves. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. 
So not only did an angel show up, but like it lit up. The word for glory has this idea of lighting up. So like all of a sudden, it's like daylight around them. And that didn't happen in the ancient world. The only way they got light was with a candle or a fire, right? And so then it goes on to say, and they were terrified. And everyone said amen, right? God shows up like that, okay? But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news, which is also can be translated gospel. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. Now get a picture of this. They're already half terrified out of their minds. And now, like a whole angel choir has showed up, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to, on those to whom his favor rests. And so I want to come back now to, to verse 10, if we can bring that one up. Uh, verse 10 says, uh, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So here's the connection. Good news, that is God moving in, brings great joy. Amen? No matter the circumstances. And the shepherds' circumstances didn't change for them. It was the joy that comes because of the, the good news that, that happens in there. And then uh, the next one, verse 11, it says, Today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And so this is a great thing. This says to us basically, God's moving into your neighborhood. Woohoo! Did I mention this sermon's about joy? Did we, did we talk about that? Because I'm, I'm having trouble remembering here. So God is moving into your neighborhood. Yes. When I was in, in Kansas City, they started a, a, a program with the, the police officers there. And in Kansas City, they have what, I, what we would call a real inner city. It's, it's a red line district uh, where even the people who live there don't go out after dark. And so uh, crime rate was really high. It was like fifth highest in the nation as per capita of some of the years that I was there. Um, and so... Uh, they decided to have a new program where they actually were paying some of the police officers extra to go move into and live in that community. And the people in the community were like, woohoo! Because all of a sudden there's a cop next door, right? So the people that want to do all kinds of stuff, it was, it was a great thing. Imagine if God himself moved in next door to you. Yeah, that is such an exciting sort of thing. And that's what he said. Emmanuel, God with us. God is in your place. He's, he's with you. In a world that's dark and dangerous and awful, the good news is that we have a Savior. We have a Messiah. The circumstances don't matter because God lives next door. Because God's got a part of this. In fact, here's the really good news that kind of comes out of that. Uh, next slide. Uh, fear is replaced by joy when your hope is in the Lord. Fear is driven out by joy. The, the, that's the beauty of that passage. The, the shepherds start out with fear and they end with joy. In fact, joy is the antidote to fear. In fact, you can't be joyful and fearful at the same time. It just doesn't work. And when God is present, when God is there, you have the power that comes from the joy of the Lord, of knowing that he is with you. Um, so what we want to do now is I want to dig into this word joy. So um, the uh, uh, next, next slide. In the New Testament, the Bible word for joy is chara. Say chara. 
Now wipe the spit off the person in front of you. Okay. Um, and it's translated joy or, or gladness. Uh, and, and so that, it's an important and powerful word. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But the writers of the New Testament were not Greeks. They were Jewish. And so they thought in Jewish terms, even though they were writing uh, in, in Greek. And so I want to look at the word, the Jewish word for joy uh, a little bit here. So next slide. In the Old Testament, the Bible word for joy is simcha. Say simcha. Okay, I apologize to the person in front of you again. Okay. Um, and this word is much richer than the, the Greek word. It, it carries the idea of joy or gladness or mirth. It also carries the idea of bright or shining. And so um, Hebrew especially, the, the, the words have kind of multiple meanings. And so when we talk about Jesus is the light of the world, when we, when we light candles, all of that goes together with joy. For a Hebrew, the idea of lighting a candle would be associated with joy, that, that God is here, that he provides light, that he provides direction. But get this, the word also contains the idea of to spring or to leap or to exalt or shouting. Okay, so when we do the closing song, I want you to spring and leap and shout, okay? You, you get ready? Should we practice that ahead of time? There, there's also an interesting meaning in there that one of the literal meanings is to go in a circle, right? We should go, what in the world does that mean? Have you ever watched Jewish dances like at weddings and they do the circles, right? And they do circles and side circles if you've gone to a Jewish wedding and you kind of put your arms and you dance and you, you kick. I've been to a few of those. It's really embarrassing for me. But, but for people that can do it, it's really cool. They have the circles going different directions, you know. So actually the word means to dance. That joy is to, to dance, to dance before the Lord. You all ready to dance? <laughs> Boy, did that cut down on the loudness of enthusiasm. I don't know, Pastor, you know about that. But, but really, that, that's the richness of the word. So when we talk about joy, we're not talking about a, a little thing, a, a little happiness thing. I, I, I love the, the word that was used this morning, getting a, you know, your next hit of happiness. That, that's really people go around looking for the next hit. Buy a new toy, find something that stimulates, do something that gives you happiness. That, that's not what joy is. Joy is much deeper than that, and it, it exists zoods out of us. Christians should leap and dance in our hearts for most of us because I'd hurt myself and run in circles and, and, and so it's, it's, a, it's a powerful sort of thing. Dance. When you think of the word joy you think about dancing before the Lord and leaping and jumping and wishing the pews were a little further apart so you could do that. The other thing I want to do, I want to dig into this Greek word a little bit. You all know what a root word is? A root word is, is a part of a word that, that is, and then there's an ending on it or a prefix on it, and it kind of kind of changes colors the meaning in some way. But uh, words that share a root word have a, a similar meaning. So uh, one of the root words in English that's common is phobia. So what, what other words go with phobia? You all know phobia means fear, right? So what other words with that root word in there can you think of? Oh, yeah, that's the number one fear in America is spiders, arachnophobia. What else? Claustrophobia, what? Snakes, whatever snakes are, snake phobia. <laughs> yeah, so you, all, you automatically, anytime you read a word that, that says phobia, and it, you automatically know that's fear of something, right? Because there's a common, a common meaning in all of this. And so uh, next slide here is joy and grace have the same root word in Greek. Isn't that cool? That when you think of grace, you should think of joy. And when you think of joy, it's because of God's grace in our lives. That, that there's a, a commonality between grace 
and joy. We don't get that in English, but in, in Greek we really do. And they, they wrote like that. It, that, that, that. When God gives you grace, we respond with joy. The, the joy is the natural outcome, the natural response to God's grace in, in our lives. It, it's not exactly the same thing, but it, it's really close in our lives. You want to know some other words in, in Greek that have that same root? Uh, forgiveness. Highly favored. Gift. We often talk about grace as unmerited favor, a, a gift. It's actually built right into the, to the word. And so all of those, those tie together. Grace should make you joyful. Grace should make you want to dance. In fact, I would say if grace doesn't explode into joy, you don't understand grace. I think part of our problem in America is, is grace is, is handled too casually. We use it for all, all kinds of stuff. And and it's actually a, a much more important word. So I want you to turn on your imaginations for just a minute. And, and imagine for a minute that, that you have been convicted of a capital crime and you are facing the death penalty. And, and, and you're not even innocent. You did it in a rage of anger or whatever happened. You, you did it and you're facing it. And they are dragging you into the, into the death room and all the appeals are done. There's nothing more that can be done. And they, they lay you on that table and they splay your arms out and they, they put the thing in there and they ask you if you've got any last words and they open the have you seen this movie, you know, someplace? You know, and, and, and just about, they're counting down, there's about 10 seconds left, and all of a sudden the, the, the phone on the wall rings, you know, and you're like, oh, I hope he, maybe I'll get a little reprieve. Maybe they found something new, and he picks it up, and, and the warden listens for a little bit, and then he says, the governor has pardoned you. You're free to go. I don't know about you, but I might dance in a circle in that moment. That's grace. That's this big thing. And, 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 and so when we talk about this, you need to understand that, that, that joy responds out of what God has done for you. I don't know how to break this to you, but apart from God's grace, you all would spend eternity separated from God. Did I mention this sermon's about joy? You should be saying, woohoo, praise God, we have grace. He's done this for you. There's so much. Honestly, the good life that you live is because of God's grace. The good things in your life, the relationships in your life, the healing that's taken place, all, everything that's good in your life comes from God. And it's by grace, and we should be people that are excited. Let me give you a couple of verses uh, about this. Uh, next slide. Uh, Philippians says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, Rejoice. Okay, uh, joy, uh, rejoice is, is joy expressed. Uh, next slide. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith from Galatians. Amen? Man, joy is a fruit that comes from, from God. And then the next slide from the Old Testament. When our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful shouting, then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. You see this? They, they have joy because of what God did for them. Let's, let's read this together, okay? Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful shouting. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. I love what the angel said. Good tidings of great joy to the shepherds. And so, next slide. Uh, this is just absolutely true. Followers of Jesus, more than anyone else in all the world, have reason to celebrate. Amen? 
You have more reason because you know the Savior. You have experienced grace in your life. You know what it is to be broken and have God work in your life. You know what it is to be guilty and experience God's forgiveness and God's love and God's redemption and God's reconciliation to bring you back into the family. Not only that, we've read the end of the book. God wins. Okay? We, we should have joy. There's no reason for us not to have joy. I understand why someone who doesn't have God in their life doesn't have joy. That's a pretty bad situation, but not us. We experience the abundant life that God offers. He came to give them life and that more abundantly. No one, no one should have more joy than followers of Jesus Christ. Because we have reason to celebrate. And we aren't foolishly happy. We are happy because we have something that matters in our life. And then, uh, for unto us a Savior is born. And the key word I want you, we, you say that all the time. For unto us a Savior is born. The key word there is us. For unto you a Savior is born. For unto Craig a Savior is born. For unto Dennis a Savior is born. For unto Lauren, a Savior is born. For unto Debbie, a Savior is born. For unto you, a Savior is born. No, not good enough. No, no. So now we're going to have to do a little extra. So I want you to say, we're going to say together, for unto, and then put your name in there. Not the words your name, but actually your name, okay? Okay, so I'll say Craig, and you'll say whatever your name is. Right? So let's try it, okay? For unto Craig, a Savior is born. How'd that feel? Isn't that cool? Let's try that again. For unto a Savior is born. I want you to take this personally. Get excited about it. Because God has come for you. He came for me. He, he, he turned us from one thing to another. It's personal. Certainly for all the world, but it is personal. That the Savior of the world came for you. And that leads me to this this conclusion theologically that my professors thought was a little shaky but I think is really important next slide we are a holy party people man we're a holy party we are Jesus is a holy party animal <laughs> a little nervousness there with Jesus I'm not talking about debauchery here I am talking about what really matters and celebrating what really matters in Christ Jesus amen Yes, in fact, turn to your neighbor, uh, and this may be a stretch for some of you, but say, I'm a holy party person. <laughs> no, don't laugh. Say it to your neighbor, okay? Okay? It, it, it's, just, it, it's just so important. I'm a holy uh, party uh, person. So I want to give you, uh, as we kind of wrap up here, I want to give you um, some steps to kind of help with this in this path to joy. Next slide. Uh, and the first one is this. Uh, refocus your, your, your attention on God's grace in your life. The, the devil loves to distract us. He loves to get us focused on the things that are going wrong or aren't going well or to overwhelm us with all of the things and the brokenness. Uh, and, and Christ calls us to focus on him. This is why in Scripture over and over again he's saying, remember, Remember what I have done for you. Remember who you are. Remember who holds your future. Remember who's in charge. Remember, remember, remember. Refocus your attention on God's grace in your life. And so if you are a follower of Jesus and you're struggling with joy, would you focus on God? What he's done for you. What he's continuing to do for you. They used to talk about count your blessings. What he's done in your family. What he's done in relationship. God wins. Why so gloomy? You know? 
why so gloomy? Focus on that. And then number two, uh, share the hope you have in Jesus. There is nothing that brings more joy than a baby. Amen? I mean, there's just something. I got one coming in April, a grandchild. And Jody and I kind of walk around like this all the time, you know. It's like, what can, I, what can I say, you know. There's just something about it. There's something about a baby. A baby can take a, a, a person that is put together and dignified and well-educated and powerful. And when they reduce them to going, oh, go, 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 boo-boo, you know. It's like, how do they do that? You know, and when a three-year-old hands you their, their little plastic phone and says it's for you, you answer it. Hello? <laughs> so too with baby Christians. When people are born into new life, there's so much joy. Share your faith. You will find no greater joy than when you share your faith with people and eventually they become a follower of Jesus. You'll be walking on cloud nine for a long, long time. And then lastly, accept God's grace gift in Jesus Christ. You see, you can't be joyous if you don't have the reason for joy. Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly. And if our musicians could come, let God's life into your heart. And there's no greater time for that than on the third Sunday of Advent that is joy. It's so important that you do that. And I know some of you are sitting here thinking, yeah, I need to do that, but I don't know. And I'm not even sure if I believe in God. Here's, here's what I know. None of the disciples believed he was God. Jesus was God when he started following them. None of them believed. They thought he was a prophet. None of them. Don't let the fact that you're not even sure about God stop you. Just, just start following and see what happens. And, and some would say, well, you know, I got all this stuff in my life. And, and I, 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 you know, I got to get my life cleaned up before we kind of do this. Here, here's what I know. Being a sinner does not disqualify you from following Jesus. In fact, it's a prerequisite. Amen? Everyone he invited to follow him was a sinner, including this preacher up here and everyone you're sitting with in this place. And we live in a world where religion says, change and you can join us. But Jesus and this church say, join us and the Holy Spirit will change you. And so I'm going to pray for you just a minute. If you haven't let Christ into your life, if you haven't experienced the hope that comes with that, if you haven't experienced the joy, I, I want you to pray while I'm praying and just ask the Lord to come in. Just say, I don't understand all this stuff, but I want what he's talking about. I, I need the joy. I, I need the hope. And if you, God, would just come in and, and show me that you're real and, and just take charge of my life, I, I will follow you. And when you say that, you will experience God's joy. I often say it's like having a weight lifted off you. Forgive your past and make you into what he designed you to be from the very beginning. And then, then I would encourage you to tell somebody who's a follower of Jesus. You can tell me. I would love to help and follow up with you. But the single most important thing you can do is accept God's grace gift in Jesus Christ and experience the joy of the Lord. We're going to worship the Lord in giving in just a minute when we, we say, Woohoo! yes, we give with joyful hearts. But let's bow our head in prayer. Father God, Lord, the joy of the Lord is so powerful. It's so much more than, than what Ernie said. He's, he hit it right. They're looking for the next happiness hit. Looking for something a fix, Lord. There's this deep thing that you do in our heart, Lord. And, and I confess that sometimes we get focused on the things that are going wrong and we get focused on the bad stuff and we miss out on the joy because we don't focus on you and what you've given us and what you've done. And so I pray for everyone who's a follower here, Father, that you would help us to, 
stay focused on you during this busy Christmas season, Father. And I, I pray that you'd help us to, to share the hope we have and the joy we have in Jesus, Lord, that the world around us might know, Father. I, I pray that you would birth new followers of Jesus into the life of this congregation and we might share in their joy, Father, as they uh, grow and become more like you. And, and Father, I pray especially for that one that's here this morning that, that knows they don't have the joy because they don't have you in their heart. And I pray, Father, that right now that they would, um, in their mind, just say to you, come into my heart, give me this thing this guy's been talking about, Father, and that they would follow you all the days of their lives, Father, and that, they would, that you would forgive their past and, and lift the burden, Lord, and that you would do a great work in them and that they might follow you, follow you Father, from this day forward to your glory and to your honor. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the reason we have joy in him. We love you and we pray.